Hello and welcome back to another Stop the Clock podcast. I think this is episode four, I believe, and well, we've had three fantastic weeks of you know doing this show, and we're here back for an, another great week. Um, and in, in, in this one, we're gonna obviously we have the games to talk about because you know can't not have your games. Um, but then this is gonna be kind of a special where we kind of just talk about the NFL honors, or I, I should say NFL awards um, that happen actually at the end of the year. But you know, there's always predictions leading up and. There's a lot of these that are tightly contested, and then there's a lot that are lopsided. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll start with, obviously, the big award that everyone cares so much about, and that is the MVP. So, Sam, MVP. Is your MVP. Who All right, your let's MVP? go. I mean, at this point, it's everyone just chasing Tom Brady. Like, yeah. just looking statistically, he's got his team at 10-3. and three. He's first in the league in yardage, first in touchdowns, first in completions, fifth in completion percentage. Like, he is playing – his best football at like 44 or whatever age, like he's just, he does not age. I mean, the next closest person I can think of is Aaron Rodgers. He's 10th in yard. Like he, he's playing very well. Let's not, let's not be drunk. Like Aaron Rodgers is playing very well, but I don't see anyone at this point catching Tom Brady. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, I'd have to say he's by far the favorite. And this is one of those where, you know, you have your Aaron Rodgers in the conversations. You know, you, I mean, hell, you might have a year even Jonathan Taylor's after that, you know, has past few <laughs> performances. But I mean, like we were talking before the show, I mean, until Tom Brady retires, he should always be top three in MVP voting. I mean, the yes. fact that he's 44 years old and already thrown for 4,000 yards, 36 touchdowns. And like you said, they're 10 and three. Like, I, I, I just don't they're, know how anyone's going to get close to that. And when just, when talking about valuable, player like this without him without him we, the, we've seen no, what the bucks we, are we, exactly because they had it like, i'm being dead serious they were in a kind of similar situation as the denver broncos are in now very complete roster top to bottom don't have a quarterback you get Tom Brady, Tom Brady's putting up MVP numbers. He should be the MVP. I don't I mean, think. It, like, like you said, the year before Brady came in, they had Jameis Winston, and they weren't terrible. But Jameis still threw 5,000 yards. Right. That's how good that team and was. 30 touchdowns, right? And 30 touchdowns. And yeah. then Tom Brady comes in and says, all right, let's go win a Super Bowl. And then they go yeah, win a Super yeah. Bowl his first year. And now um, they're actually going to have home court, or excuse me, home field advantage <laughs> through a couple of playoff games, hopefully in there, or hopefully for them they'll have it throughout the playoffs if they get that the number one seed, which at this point, right. I think Tampa's the team to beat in the I, NFC so I, far. I, 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 I mean, right now sitting at 10-3. Yeah. All right, let's, let's move on to Offensive Player of the Year. Now, I was t- telling Jude earlier before, this, before the podcast, I was like, ooh, I, I'm, I'm going to make a case for Cooper Cup here. I mean, looking at it, there, st- there still is. He's first in receptions, first in yards, first in touchdowns. He's only posted one game under seven catches. Uh, but then I watched the end of the Saturday game that just wrapped up where Jonathan Taylor, J-Train left the station. I mean, he called game just like he's done basically all year long. So at this point, I don't see how you give it to him. I mean, he's he's first in yardage. He's a, He's been great out of the backfield. I think he has... 19 total touchdowns now on the season. So he has just been out of his mind. And really, it's not a surprise because he's been doing this since college. Since college. Um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's funny because we just saw, you know, the Jonathan Taylor walk off, or you want to say dagger, um, touchdown that he had. But I mean, th- this is what Jonathan Taylor has been doing off season. In fact, in his last five games, he basically has 700 yards and 10 touchdowns. In the last five games, he has 10 touchdowns, which is absurd, right? I mean, that, that is 
absurd. And then, and this is the problem when you have these like awards, because it's like, especially this year, there are, there, in, in the MVP, defensive player of the year, offensive, what, whatever category we're talking about, there's, there's two players who are like, man, if, if that other player was not in it this year, that is by far the favorite. Oh and, then you're, and then you're in this situation where it's like, okay, both of these dudes deserve it 100%, but you got to give it to one of them. And, yeah. and my vote, like you said, I mean, Cooper Cup is, uh, is a fantastic receiver, but what Jonathan Taylor is doing, first in yards this season, first in rushing touchdowns, fifth in uh, rushing yards uh, average with the 5.6 yards per, per that's, carry, that's good, and good second play. in attempts. I mean, this, this dude, he's unstoppable. I mean, he's truly unstoppable. And I think what does it for me, because, I mean, it's a shame because Cooper Cup has had an, excuse me, a historic season. However, what does it for me is when I'm looking at it, I don't think you can really make an MVP case for Cooper Cup. You, you, you can, can kind of make, make, yeah. make an MVP case yeah. for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, without Jonathan Taylor, this Colts team does not make the playoffs. I think now they are. I mean, they just got a huge win against the New England Patriots. Thanks in part to Jonathan Taylor. Like, let's keep in mind, Carson Wentz did absolutely nothing in that game versus a really good defense, and then Jonathan Taylor yeah. called game. So I, I think that performance could have locked up Offensive Player of the Year for him. Yeah, I, I think it did. I, and th- this is where you say it, 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 it's his to lose, honestly. At the end of the day, you know, we have three, three more weeks, at least for him. Um, it's really his to lose. I mean, Cooper Cup, what he's doing is amazing. And say, hey, Cooper Cup maybe goes out there and posts 200-yard games the next – Four games, you're like, okay, yeah. It's I mean, possible. If two, if it, it's possible. It's very possible. Say he hits 2,000 yards. Then you have the conversation about Cooper Cup. But like you said, what Jonathan Taylor is doing, and I mean, he's in the conversation for MVP, like we mentioned earlier. He's in the conversation for I mean, not not fully, but he he's a guy that you could say a dark horse candidate. Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, you can't say so much. And so that's why I, I, I lean towards Jonathan Taylor for Offensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I agree. All right, now let, let's let's get to an award that you have some strong opinions about, and I think so do I, uh, and that's Defensive Player of the Year. For me, my top two live and breathe in the NFC no- or AFC North, and that is T.J. Watt, the man first in sacks with 16, and Miles Garrett, the man second in sacks with 15. Two of by far the most dominant players in the NFL, but I, I know you have your eye on a third candidate. And here, and here we are again, right? It's, 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 there's, I think it's a three-headed race. You could say it's a two-headed race, but it doesn't matter. No, no, no. He, he has a case. I'm, I'm, I'll let you But go. like I was saying, it, 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 no matter you say a three-headed, two-headed, all of these dudes deserve to win it, right? All of these dudes deserve to win. You just can't give it to all three, right? You can't split the award. And what he's talking about is Michael Parsons. Look, Miles Garrett it's been fantastic right 15 sacks on season one forced fumble 15 tackles for loss 44 pressures same with tj white like you said he has he has, he has a he's an nfl high of 16 sacks four 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 forced fumbles and 16 tackles for loss but what really to me sets the bar over for michael parsons and i'm not saying right now i would say he's the favorite but i'd pick him to win just because his capabilities not just as a edge rusher i mean the dude has 12 sacks three forced fumbles 17 tackles for loss 41 pressures And you have to keep in mind that he's only lining up in pass rush 52% of his time on his snaps, which is, I mean, to have those numbers in basically 50-50 as you as a linebacker and edge rusher is, is absurd, is, is, is absurd. But I mean, mean, yeah. Okay. When I, when I look at it, I look at a couple things. One, 
when you, we're talking about the most dominant defensive players in football, I have not just the two that I mentioned, but I have three players ahead of Micah Parsons. That's the two in running for this award and Aaron Donald. To be honest, I think Aaron Donald's number one, most dominant. Like we saw what he did Thursday or Monday night football. He literally picked up Max Garcia, threw him to the side and literally touched Kyler Murray with one hand. and was like, sit down. Like, yeah. And then also when you, for me, why it's TJ Watt, when you look at when the Steelers did not have TJ Watt in that game that you had it versus the Chargers, where they gave up 40 points without him versus the Bengals, they gave up 40 points without him. And then he came out very early against Minnesota and Dalvin Cook had an absolute field day and they dropped 36 on him. He, he is, you feel when he is missing. And then when he is there, he's making big time plays like in the Seattle game where he basically won them the game for that. Yes, Michael Parsons has made those plays, but I think defensively the impact that he has on the entire defense and the statistics to back it up, being the number, the leader in sacks potentially could break the sack record. That's why I'm going to give it to TJ Watt. So here's my thing. You just mentioned how when you see TJ Watt off the field with the Steelers, it's a completely different defense. So why don't we look back at the 2020 Cowboys defense? Because that defense was atrocious, right? That defense was, I mean, it it ranked, it it reeked. It ranked bottom last in every, you know, significant defensive category. Michael Parsons comes in. I mean, they're arguably a top 10 defense, top 15 defense in this league. And he's he's the driving force behind that. If you take Michael Parsons out of this situation, and you know, you could say Trevon Diggs too, because he's had a hell of a season. But if you take Michael Parsons out of this, just front seven, they would not be as dominant as they would, right? DeMarcus Lawrence yeah. is still a great player. Randy Gregory is still a great player. But what Michael Parsons brings, and, he, and he's weighing 25% of his pass rush, which is like 1% behind what Miles Garrett is doing at 26.9, which is highest among all edge defenders. When I look at okay, when I look at the Dallas defense, yes, there's no doubt Michael Parsons has had a profound impact on that defense. It's one of the reasons why they're the best at taking the football away in the NFL. However, there's a lot of other factors that go into it. They hired Dan Quinn, who has been a fantastic defensive coordinator for them. That's a big part of it schematically. Their front seven was not the biggest issue for them last year. It was their secondary. We have, as you mentioned, the emergence of Trayvon Diggs this year as a top 10 corner. You have you brought in key pieces like uh, Curse and KZ who have been really good for the Cowboys in the secondary. So I don't think all of that goes on Micah Parsons, whereas TJ Watt, when he's not there, you feel that loss. I, 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 and I, and I, and I get it. They added Trevon Diggs, they added my, my boy, J. Ron Curse. I love him a lot. But like you said, you feel an impact when TJ Watt is on the field. I think defenses are already feeling the impact when Michael Parsons Absolutely, steps on the field. And the problem is, and like I've mentioned earlier, this dude is doing this stuff, right? He is doing what he, 12, 12 sacks, three, four fumbles, when half the time he's not even playing edge rusher. He's, he, he's dropping back in coverage. He's allowed a 61.3 completion percent when in coverage is two pass deflections. Now, I'm not saying that's top tier defending, but I haven't seen Miles Garrett, TJ Watt drop back in coverage. I haven't seen them do the things that Michael Parsons could do not just at edge rusher. And I get it. And I get it. TJ Watt has a couple of interceptions in his career. Let's not. In his career, but not this season, right? Not this season in his career. And so Michael Parsons being able to not only rush the passer, get pressure, but be able to drop back and cover dudes. I mean, no disrespect to those two guys, but if Michael Parsons, like I mentioned my other podcast, if in my benchmark for him is 16 sacks, if I think he, if he can get 16 sacks, hell, if he throws an interception or two on there, I'd say he's the front runner. If he can get 60, but he's, I, I'd still pick him to win defensive mm. player of the year. 
No, I, I think you bring up great points. And there definitely is a case. Like, he's going to be, when they list the nominees, he's definitely one of them, without question. Yeah. However, and this, this might be a little bit towards the bias of the league. When you look at the two, what are the, the two most important positions in football? Number one is quarterback. Number two is pass rusher. As you mentioned, Micah Parsons has not been a traditional pass rusher. And I think that's made him great. Don't get me wrong. But I think the bias in the NFL is going to lean towards those predominant edge rushers like you have in Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. But all three are deserving. That's just where I stand on it. And I know that that's where you stand on Micah Parsons. And that's where I stand on Michael Parsons. But like you said, I mean, this is a, I mean, each candidate deserves it no matter what. And whoever wins is equally as deserving as the other guy. But yes, my my pick is strongly Michael Parsons. Yeah. I also think it's, it's going to, who closes the season out better? All, all three teams are in position to make a playoff, which I mean, Dallas is going to make the playoffs. We know that. But Pittsburgh and, and Cleveland as well, they have a chance to make a push for wildcard, maybe even the division with uh, the Ravens being really banged up. Yeah. All right, let's – let's let's we're going to just skip past defensive rookie of the year because, I mean, I think if this conversation – Wait, why? Really? Why are we, why are we so tra- – oh, because Michael Parsons defensive player of the year. So yeah, I he's think a defensive if- player of the year. <laughs> he by far has defensive rookie of the year in, in locks. But yeah. Yeah. And just I'll touch on defensive player of the year because I mean, rookie of the year because obviously he has it. That there's I don't think there's anything anyone else can do at this point to take it away. And it's a shame because my boy Patrick Sertan has had a great season. Another player I do want to highlight that I think is just absolutely gone under the radar just because of how good Michael Parsons has been is Jalen Phillips for Miami. He's played very well. I think he has what eleven sacks or something like that on the season. So he's been very productive for them. Just wanted to give a quick little shout out there because he's not getting enough recognition for the Dolphins. He's not. He's, and I mean, all the, the Dolphins draft class this year, they're, they're all three. They've been balling out. Javon Holland. Balling out. Yeah. And look at them. They're, they're making a playoff push. But yeah, you said, it, it sucks with Patrick Stain. He's, he's been a lockdown corner this year, but when you got a dude in defensive player yeah, in your conversation, it's, it's, it's hard not that. You got a generational talent in the draft class. It's like, okay, yeah, well, exactly. what are you going to do? All right. Let's, let's go on to offensive rookie of the year where I think you seem to think it's a little closer than I do. Yeah, I, I do think it is a little closer. And I'm not going to say it's at the level of Herbert and, you know, what Justin Jefferson were last year. But I do think, you know, it's a lot closer than last year. And I, I think particularly because what Mac Jones is doing, right? I mean, he's leading the Patriots. Um, I think what he's done is very impressive. He, for them to be, well, I guess they're now nine and five um, after they lost to Indianapolis. To still, you know, in, in one of the toughest situations, you know, to come in after Brady's left and, and, and really be able to keep the winning, you know, atmosphere in New England. Um, but I, I do think the thing that separates him or I, that separates Javar Chase is that the dude is just balling, right? The, the dude is just straight up balling. And if Mac Jones had better numbers, I would say, okay, maybe you can give it to him. But he only has 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions. He hasn't hit the 3,000-yard mark. And yeah. it's like, man, Jamar Chase is seventh in receiving yards and tied for third <laughs> in receiving touchdowns this season. So – I like Mac Jones, and, and the reason I say it's a little closer is just because of what Mac Jones has produced, not outside of just, you know, throwing a yeah. football. I mean, he, he's, he's, they've correlated to wins. Yeah, and that, that's, that's the kicker right there. When you, when you looked at the Justin Jefferson, Justin Herbert sort of debacle, I mean, yes, Mac Jones at this point, he's winning more games. His team is better at this point. Justin Herbert last year pretty much broke every rookie quarterback record there was. Like, he no, exactly. had a historic rookie season. So did Justin Jefferson, but at this at this point, as you said, I don't think the, the statistics and what the numbers that you're producing are going to be enough to put him in that situation, especially because 
while yes, he's been outstanding for New England and a big reason why they're winning, he's not the main reason. When I look at New England, the reason they're winning, number one is Bill Belichick, obviously. Number two is that defense, top three in the league. And number three is their ability to run the football. It's it's as simple as that. Yeah. I mean, we saw the Buffalo game. Mac Jones literally just handed the ball off the entire time. And, and I was going to bring that up. I mean, when you see your team win and the quarterback is having to throw the ball, it obviously kind of lowers your case <laughs> for offensive rookie of the year because they're kind of showing they can win without you. But no disrespect to Mac Jones. I yeah. still don't think they'd be in the position. But yeah, carrying on. Yeah, I know. And, and at this point, it is Jamar Chase. I mean, he's seventh in receiving yards. He's already cracked a thousand. He's tied for third with Adam Thielen in touchdowns with 10. So he's been a very productive player. Um, a lot of people doubted in the preseason. I mean, yes, he has nine drops on the season. He had drops in the in early in the year. It Relax. It's his rookie year. Rookies he's a rookie. Drop problems. Exactly. We've seen it exactly. a thousand times before. And What's, what's interesting to me is people are being like, okay, well, he's started to slow down this season. That's because NFL teams now are starting to recognize him as that top threat that he is. And when you look yeah. at it from the Cincinnati Bengals perspective, it's been okay because that's opened up like T. a Higgins. ton of options. T Higgins has been balling now because he's had like three straight games with a hundred yards. Like, yeah. So T Higgins has definitely been uh, putting on a show as Jamar Chase starts to get more of that coverage that he deserves, I guess. And, Speaking of coverage that he deserves, he's gonna. It's gonna be a fun little rookie matchup this week with uh, Jamar Chase going up against Patrick Sertan. So that that should be very fun to watch. And just two two players that I don't think are at this point gonna get it or maybe even be nominees for offensive rookie of the year. But let's let's just dabble real quick uh, with the two rookie running backs. We got Najee Harris and Javante Williams. Give me your thoughts on them. I think they're both unique runners. I, and I, to me, to be honest, I really love Javante Williams. And I, I think Denver found okay. a gem in him. I think, I, and you know, UNC had that like fabulous, I know Michael Carter really hasn't been able to show his talents with the New York Jets yet. I mean, he, oh, I you know, he's he played, has, though. I mean, he's played here and there, but like, yeah, I don't think he's done it to the extent that like Javante of course. Williams has yeah, done yeah. it. I think what Javante Williams brings is, um, Man, it just, it's like you hit him one time, he's not going down. You got hit him a few times before he goes down. And I think that's the very impressive thing about him. And then Najee Harris on the other end, dude already looks like an all-pro running back. I mean, at some point. It's not saying he is an all-pro right now, but, man, he already has the body of it, and he, he just looks like the runner that, that's been in this league for a couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at – I think both of them, of course, Javante Williams is leading the league in broken titles. Like, he just simply does not go down. He's a machine. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. Najee Harris, I think, where he has the edge is I think he's a much better receiving back. Not to take anything away yeah. from Javante, because I think Javante is a fine back of the backfield. But Javante, Najee Harris has good hands. You can trust him out of the backfield. He was that like that at Alabama. He's showing that in the NFL. Where I am a little, I'm not going to say concerned, but like where I sort of look at these two, their, their numbers are particularly similar. Yes, okay, Najee might have more catches and touchdowns, and I think he has actually more yards by like maybe 90 yeah. Javante Williams is in a split backfield with Melvin Gordon, who has pretty much the same yardage stats as him. Like, he's doing it with, like, 100 less carries than Najee Harris's, which I think is great for Denver. They're keeping both backs fresh. I just worry that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to, like, overload Najee Harris at those, this point. But I think those two backs yeah. are definitely future stars in this league. Yeah, I, I think that's, I, I think that's, and I, I was even concerned about it earlier in the season when, I mean, the dude was getting like 30 touches a game and he was like, he was taking all their snap. I mean, he was almost a hundred percent of the snaps on offense week in and week out. It's like, man, this dude's only a rookie. You're going to wear it his body sooner or later. And yeah. 
you know, I mean, I think he could take it, but how long can he take it? We've seen running backs now, and we talked about it a few podcasts ago where it's like, man, these running backs after a few years, they're not going to be able to take yes. it as much as they, they want anymore. Pause. But like, you know, <laughs> so I, 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 I think that, you know, that they're both great running backs for the future, but um, I really love Javante Williams. Right? And like I said, I think Denver found a, found a gem in that, in that beach right there. Mm-hmm. All right. Now let's, now let's talk about some guys that know a thing or two about perseverance, perseverance. what it means to get beat down and get back up and be just as good, if not better than you were before you got beat down. This, of course, is the comeback player of the year. And at this point, I think there's two, you might think there's, I think there's two people in running for it. I think the front runner at this point is Dak Prescott. I mean, he's come back. He's been great. I think, I don't blame him, blame him entirely for the Cowboys offensive woes. I think that's more on the run game and whatnot, but I think he's been spectacular. I think he's not skipped a beat and he's has the Cowboys in position to be a division winner in the NFC. And then you look at Joe Burrow on the other hand, who is just, he's balling. He, he came back. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Um, he's got 3,483 yards. He's tossing the rock. He does the, the one thing that I'm a little concerned, and this is not, I guess, on Joe Burrow as much, but he does lead the league in interceptions, which I think will knock him in this award. And while I don't think this will knock him, it is a little concerning considering he just came off a knee injury. He's been sacked, sacked 41 the times. most times in the NFL. So, yeah. Well, yes, Jamar Chase has been outstanding. He'll probably win off his rookie year. He's been the flashy pick. I don't know. You, you got to upgrade that offensive line in the offseason. But at this point, for me, it is Dak. But Joe Burrow does deserve a little consideration. Yeah, I mean, I mean, to your point, the, the 14 interceptions, you know, I mean, there, there was a few that had been tipped and picked. But the interceptions yeah. on Joe Burrow, I don't know how much you could say 41 sacks is on him. I mean, you could look at some of it. It's okay, maybe he's not stepping out of the pocket. He's taking those sacks. It's a good chance that it's a good chance most of those those, sacks are on your offensive line. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like you said, I mean, this Dax award to lose. I mean, he's he's been phenomenal this year. uh, Maybe besides the past five games uh, after the calf injury, and I'm not blaming the calf injury on his woes, but I do think there there is some fault that should fall on Dak for the recent lack of offense production that that the Cowboys have been getting. But nonetheless, I mean, still three, almost three, 3,400 yards, 24 touchdowns. He does have 10 interceptions, but does have a quarterback rating of 98.1. And like you mentioned, the Cowboys are 9-4. They're, they're still winning um, games, yeah. They're still winning games, sitting on 9-4. Most likely will lock up the NFC East by the end of this weekend, or should <laughs> I say by the end of Tuesday, because uh, the game is oh, postponed. That's, that's um, but, yeah, so I, I, I think that, like, like and a few other awards, it's his to lose. Yeah. All right. Well, those are pretty much our awards for this year. Kind of our predictions. We'll see how it shakes out. I think definitely the biggest one to watch. I think the most fun one to watch will be the defensive player of the year uh, as that goes along, but let's, let's wrap it up with some picks. So as we started last week, we were going to start like doing points for our picks, just kind of comparing to see who wins the week. So the way we did points was you get one point for a correct pick. You get, Two points if you correctly predict one of the primetime games, whether that's uh, Thursday night, um, Monday night, or Sunday night. And are we, consi- are we considering Saturday night? That is a primetime game. In this week, though, I don't think we need we should consider the Rams game or the Eagles game primetime games. Okay, because yeah. those were not. It's- well, yeah, 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 no, no, I agree. So, with that being said, uh, oh, and of course, if you get 
um, the correct pick for our favorite teams, the Cowboys and Broncos respectively, uh, you get five points. So big, big stakes on those teams. Um, I got 20 points. I lost the first week to Jude, who got 25. Yeah, he had a, 25 points. Yeah, he I had, had a really good week. Good week. Got, a little, uh, I, only got, I only got two games wrong. I got the Monday night and yeah. I got the uh, Ravens game wrong. So Darn. Look at you. Darn. Go crazy. All right, but let's let's get into this week. Um, I had the Patriots winning, sadly, uh, this this game, but that didn't happen. So, Darn. yeah, likewise, I I had the Patriots. All right, now let's get into the Sunday slate, ten a.m. games, or I guess Jude's in Philadelphia right now for winter break. So the uh, one o'clock games, have fun with that. Oh my god. Um, we have the Panthers at the Bills. Uh, I'm gonna go with the Bills. They had a tough game, but they'll definitely rebound against a pretty crappy uh, Panthers team. Yeah, the line says Buffalo 13. Uh, Buffalo should blow this thing out. Yeah, I, I think Buffalo needs this game. The past few weeks have been rough. They lost in New England with Mac Jones not even throwing a pass, and then they had a bad loss to Tampa. This is the game where you got to blow them out. So, yeah, I'm going to take Buffalo. Uh, now we got the Texans and the Jags. I like the Jags after a little bit of a boost from getting rid of Urban Meyer, which I predicted. I'm going I'm to take credit that I said they should fire him within the next week, and like two days later they did. So not I'm going to take credit, too. Not, not to toot my own horn, but like toot toot. I think we should both toot it because I think we both deservingly earned credit for firing Urban Meyer. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree. <laughs> I'm going to take the Jaguars. I think any team that just comes off their team game fire or, or their head coach game fired, we saw with the Raiders earlier this season, they go out and just Absolutely. play probably their best football of the season. So Jaguars, um, yeah, I think, I think they should be. Yeah, it's at home. Yeah, I at like home. it. All right, uh, Steelers-Titans. Uh, this is a big game for Pittsburgh. Um, Titans kind of got an easy one last week with Jacksonville. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Titans to keep it rolling. Yeah, I'm going to take the Titans. I'm, and I don't get why the, the Steelers are favored in this game. I, I, don't, I think I, it's I, at he, home. They put up points last week. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I really like the Titans. I know that, you know, obviously Derrick Henry has been a big loss. I think Julio Jones is going to have himself again. I like it. All right, let's get into the Cardinals and the Lions. This should be easy. It's the Cardinals, despite not having D-Hop. It's the Cardinals. should be the Cardinals, without a yeah. doubt. Uh, Tua playing very well. Going to play the Jets. They beat the Jets last time they played. They're going to do it again. They're going to do it again, and they're going to beat them by more than nine and a half points. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, now in a game where I think the Cowboys offense needs to get right, uh, that's against the Giants. I think they do get right because it's the Giants. So. Yeah, I think this is a get-right game for the Cowboys. I mean, we saw it a few weeks ago with the Rams when they needed a get-right game. They blew out the Jaguars. This mm-hmm. is, I'm not saying the Giants are as bad as the Jaguars. I mean, y'all had it too with, with Atlanta yeah. too. Y'all, I mean, oh this God. is the perfect time to get it right. And then, you you know, you go on your stretch of games where you play the Cardinals in Washington. So, yeah, I, I yeah. think it's a perfect game to get it right. Um, I'd also love to see them maybe run the ball a little better, especially in cold weather. So, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what All happens. right, uh, Niners-Falcons, feeling like a little bit of a trap game for the 49ers. The Falcons are still very much in the playoff push as well. But I am going to take the Niners just because it's uh, in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm going to take the Niners too. I, I, I understand where the trap game is coming from, but I don't know. I just I think after the 49ers performance, I think they're going to keep it going um, against the Falcons, especially at home. All right, Bengals-Broncos, first wild card game of the week. Uh, I will be there. Should be super fun. Very important game for both teams as they look to uh, make the playoffs. I mean, both have really brutal schedules, actually, as I mentioned on my last podcast. Uh, coming up, uh, oof. I don't like that the Broncos are favored by three. I don't. Like, I, I don't want to be favored in this one, but I'm going to take us just because I like we're at home, that home field advantage. We've been running the football well. Uh, so give me us. 
Well, I got to have controversy on our pick, so I'm going to have to. I'm going to take the Bengals. Fair enough. Um, and and I think this is an interesting game because I think both teams they've had spurts in the season. They've also had lows of the season, and Very so it's like hard to trust either team. Um, and I, I think it'll be a great game. Like you mentioned, this, this is this is an important game for both teams to fight for the AFC. Obviously. The Bengals could still possibly win their division. Broncos kind of out of that race, but still yeah. a very good chance to get the wild card position. Uh, so both teams probably fighting for a wild card position at the end of the day. So I, I really like this game, but I'm going to take the Bengals. All right, our first differentiator. Uh, now we got the Saints and the Bucks. The Saints have had the Bucks number in recent. Oh, uh, we, just, in recent uh, we, we we got one sec, one sec. We got the Packers versus Ravens. Oh, excuse me, my bad. Packers versus <laughs> Ravens. How could I forget? Uh, the Ravens are too banged up. I like uh, Huntley a lot. I actually think he made some really good throws in that game, and I like Rashad Bateman that little connection they have. But it's you're it's the Packers. Like they're they're gonna win this game, especially against how beat up that uh, Baltimore secondary is. Yeah, I mean, man, if anything could have gone wrong for the Ravens, it did this season. I mean, from the loss from J.K. Dobbins oh to Marlon Humphrey, everything went wrong. I mean, now even Lamar probably not playing tomorrow. Uh, it's a game time decision. Yeah. Give me the and Packers, now man. <laughs> now it's risky because you're at a chance of maybe not even winning the division if you're Baltimore. Like, yeah, exactly. All right, now for the Bucks Saints game. Uh, I'm going to take the Bucks. Actually, it should be their what first regular season win versus the Saints since Tom Brady's got there. Which is, <laughs> I mean, they beat them in the playoffs, which is what matters most. But like, still, yeah, something tells me, like something tells me to pick the Saints, but oh, I know I'll pick the Saints. Do it. Differentiate. You know what? I'm going to pick the Saints. I had a yes. great week last I had a great week last week. I got to pick a dog in this game. Honestly, I mean, I would pick the Saints and I'd also pick them to cover. I mean, even if I'm not even taking the Saints, I I think 11 half is too much for a game like this. Oh, I agree. I thought that defense has played Tom Brady very well. Uh, okay. Now let's go to the first Monday afternoon game. That's the, uh, the Raiders and the Browns. The Browns are because of a kind of BS, in my opinion, schedule shift, uh, they're going to get a few players back. Meanwhile, the Raiders are in the midst of their midseason collapse, or their, excuse me, their annual midseason collapse. Um, it's a tough game. Um, it's in the dog pound. You got Miles. You know what? Give, give me the. Ooh. If Baker Mayfield plays, I'll take the Browns. If not, give me the Raiders. I think Hunter Renfro has also been very elite this year. Uh, give me the Raiders. I don't care if Baker plays or not. Give me the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's go. The actual Monday night game, that's Vikings-Bears from Chi-Town. Uh, let's go Vikings. I think they're in a spot that they can push for playoff speed, seed, which I think they'll get. Yeah, give me the Vikings. The Bears are dysfunctional. I don't even think they're going to have like most of their coaching staff for this game. Also, um, and- something I want to point out. Who on earth gave the Bears five, five primetime games this year what is that well, about? they are well they are the bears so, i you know, don't you care <laughs> they are the worst team i'm not gonna say in that division because there's the lions but they're the worst team to watch because i'd kind of rather watch the lions because i like Dan Campbell. but let's move on to rams seahawks rams with their biggest win of the year gonna keep it rolling against the seahawks however russ has looked better in the last two weeks yeah, he, he's looked better. I'm going to take the Rams still. I'm, I'm still taking the Rams. I, I, I took the Saints. I can't take the Seahawks. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give me the Rams. I, I think the Rams, we're going to keep it close in the beginning, but at the end of the day, they'll, they'll, they'll run away with it. All right. 
Let's go Eagles, Washington football team, your two most favorite teams in the world. Uh, let's, let's, ooh, let's get, let's get the Eagles. I like Jalen Hurts in a, in a good divisional game. I'm going to put a little bias in this pick. The Eagles need a win for the Cowboys to clinch the NFC East <laughs> this weekend. So I'm going to take the Eagles. I think Washington, I mean, I, non-bias, I mean, the Washington's completely depleted. They're, they don't, I don't know how many starters are even going to line up for them on Tuesday. Um, I think it's absurd that they're playing Tuesday. I don't think they should. I think they should have forfeited the game. But that's, that's a whole different topic. Well, I don't um, think you forfeit the game. You just do what the Broncos had to do a year ago and just play with <laughs> freaking nobody. Um, well, actually, yeah, anyway. So, I, yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles. I, I, I think even if Washington gets a few guys back, I think they're totally banged up after Michael Parsons completely destroyed them. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to take the Eagles. All right. Well, there you have it. Those are our picks. Looking forward to an outstanding day of football. Uh, I'm going to the best home field advantage in the NFL in Denver. So it's going to be fun. Yay. All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us on Stop the Clock, episode four. Uh, This, of course, obviously, wherever you're watching this, whether it's YouTube, listening on SoundCloud, whatever you want to do. All right. Whatever you want to do. Have a good one. Peace. Have a good one. Peace.